Today on the Table Talk Radio Experience, we answer your emails by playing Bible Bee, and then we play a game of What's in Your Pastor's Library? Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Jesus does not lie. And he told me, you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He told me, this is my blood shed for you. He told me, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And I've heard the Lord's voice in the absolution, forgiven me. He's, he's told me that he, uh, that he loves the world, that he died for the world, that he shed his blood to save me and forgive me. He said it, and he doesn't lie. Those sins which we're supposed to be conquering have been conquered, not by our striving to overcome them, but have they been conquered by the death of Jesus. Those sins, even those pet sins that we're supposed to overcome, even the, the sins that we keep coming back to, those have been crucified with Christ. Uh, and now uh, sanctification is, is putting to death the old, the old Adam, the old flesh, by confessing our sins. I wasn't paying attention to what you just said. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Sorry, I was reading Facebook statuses. Like the leftovers that go uneaten, this is Table Talk Radio. And uh, welcome to this edition, because today we're answering your emails in the form of games, unlike our other editions. <laughs> That's what we always do now. I like Remember? it when, I know, <laughs> that's the joke. It's like, hey, today we're doing something. Okay. Hey, today the sun's coming up. Hey, today it's today. I'll have to explain it to you in my Gigline School of Hilarity someday. Oh, boy. That's for the people who couldn't get into the Wolfmuller School of Hilarity? <laughs> no, it's those who have graduated. <laughs> it's like a comedy reform school? <laughs> no, preparatory I school. Agree. I'm just waiting for you to go to the buzzword, because i got a great buzzword for you. Hey, let's go to the buzzwords. Pastor Wolfmuller? My buzzword for you is Epicureanism. Ooh. Now, here, I'm reading this book called, I don't know if it's going to be any good or not. That's a weird title. But it's called Moral Darwinism, How We Became Hedonists. <laughs> and uh, the thesis is that uh, Darwin was an Epicurean. So Darwinism is Epicureanism come full circle. So uh, uh, he, he, he has a thing about Epicureanism. Now, I want to say this. Um, Epicurus is best remembered for making pleasures, pleasure humanity's chief goal. But what is largely neglected these days, and I understand Epicureanism, is how Epicurus conceived of pleasure and why he gave pleasure such a high status. Now, ready for this? This is the, this is the money paragraph. For Epicurus, pleasure consisted in freedom from disturbance. Two forms of disturbance stood out for Epicurus. One, the disturbance of God intervening in nature, and two, the disturbance of an afterlife. For Epicurus to allow that God might intervene in the natural world and to take seriously the possibility of an afterlife with the moral accountability and judgment it implies, it was incompatible with the good life. Do you see that? That's amazing. Huh. So I've never so heard you tracking? Epicurus, Epicurus says we've got to be free from disturbance, and the two major things that would disturb this life are, number one, the idea of God intervening, and number two, the idea of judgment. 
Yeah, that would be inconvenient. So you have to, you, and, and you see that. So you start with that assumption: uh, pleasure is the highest thing. And then you 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 engage if you engage in kind of worldview thinking in an Epicurean kind of manner, then the result is you have to have no God, no creation, no intervention by God, and no judgment, no afterlife, therefore no soul, etc. So all all these things you you have to reduce this world down to a monism to only the material things to serve your philosophical starting point got it epicureanism epicureanism okay my theological buzzword for you is advent advent means coming all right now on to the show all right this would be a piece <laughs> of cake do you have advent service tonight are we rushing through the show because you still have to write your advent sermon oh don't worry about it i'll just write it while you're talking I'm going on about <laughs> epicureanism or something and i'll just start write a sermon piece of cake all right. Let's All right. So what we're going to do is uh, look at our inbox really here, and I got an email. Um, it says, oh, look at this. It says, hello, radio clowns. Hmm, someone's catching on. Plural. Yeah. Plural radio clowns. <clears throat> I will be applying right. for seminary for a couple of years out, and I wonder what advice you would uh, have about the process, preparing for seminary, attending seminary, etc., I appreciate any words of wisdom. Well, maybe wisdom is being too generous. Um, you may have. Thanks for <laughs> <laughs> thanks and peace of Jesus with you. And then there's this quote at the end that says, quote, If you ask, what is the primary message of the Bible? We don't realize how pagan we sound when we think that the reason God reveals the Scriptures to us is to get us to act better. Pastor Ken Jones. Hmm. Hey, there you go. Okay, so um, advice. Um, well, let's start with the process. Any advice? Any advice about the process of of applying? No, that, just that's a big deal. If, by if the you way. if you are within a hundred feet of a seminary application person and you whisper, maybe then they will just you'll be all fine with the process. They'll be there. To help. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry about that. <laughs> you're uh, you're you know, suggesting. That, I mean, that's probably. I mean, in fact, in, you're, you're suggesting that it's easy and they'll take anybody who's willing. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, no. You read way into what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the admissions officers are very helpful. Oh. So you just got to call up the seminary, you know, call up Fort Wayne. Uh, so I'm just assuming that's where this guy's looking. So call up Fort Wayne <laughs> and, uh, and let them know you're interested. And, and oh, by the way, you do that as soon as possible because they, there's a secret list of potential students. And one of the advantages is they'll send you books and stuff for a while. So I, if, it, if you're even thinking about it, you should get on that list in order to let them pump you full of free books. Don't call them up like with three weeks to go because they'll probably won't get any books that way. So get on that list and They're then they'll keep checking secrets. on you. Um, They're probably not happy <laughs> And, and they'll, right uh, they'll give you a checklist. You know, you need to, you need to get your GRE. You gotta, you, you have this, this application, you have to have so many uh, recommendations you have from your pastor and so forth. Uh, they'll be interviewing you and all that sort of stuff. That's the, the so that's the tactical side of things. But then there's the theological side of things. How well, do you prepare? I have for the ministry, and we're going to play a game, right? Well, yeah. But before that, I my advice in the process was to not get discouraged when you do your district interview. That's all I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what district you are, I suppose. I suppose, but I mean, if you just threw a how does the uh, district interview if you, go? You, if you go threw to the, a talk dart to the at district the president map, or you'd probably a not find yourself in a district where the district interview goes well. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, the district interview is a handful of lay people and pastors, and they're like this. 
Are you going to be really grumpy <laughs> when you're yeah. a pastor? Yeah. Because that's our main concern. Like, right. yeah. Now, it, I am say, gonna be say mission 10 times. Okay, you're approved. I mean, that's, I mean, so <laughs> this, is, this is how, how my interview. You're not mission table talk radio. This is how my district interview went. And uh, it was in your home district there of the Rocky Mountain District. Um, huh. That went to, went, went to the district office there. I assume it's just in the same place. And um, did the interview. And I talked about at the time. I should back up and say it. When I went to the seminary, I didn't know if I wanted to be a pastor. I didn't know if God wanted me to be a pastor. I, I mean, I was just kind of, I was still figuring this kind of thing out. So I wasn't going to walk in the district interview and say, "Hey guys, I'm here because I want to be a pastor," because I wasn't sure if that was true. So I just said, "Hey, I want to go to seminary because I like studying theology. <laughs> I am interested Oops. in learning more about this kind of thing." And at the end, the guy said, "Well." We're going to approve you, but we're really concerned how much you talked about liking theology and never talked about how much you love Jesus. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, my bad. You're uh, on probation. Yeah, on I know. Jesus probation. I know. Like, we want you to be more of a pietist, and then we'll approve you to go to the <laughs> seminary. <laughs> I mean, so don't get discouraged. And I, and I get uh, messages from people from time to time who went to their district interview, and they get all discouraged, like maybe something's wrong. Don't worry about it. Um the the reason you're going to the seminary is to learn what you're supposed to think and not that's not why you go to the district interview. Okay. That so. is true. And 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 you you know you make a good point there is this and there's a distinction between the vocation of seminary student and the and the vocation of pastor. Yes. And that is something that most people miss. They're like, Do you feel called to be a pastor? And the answer is no. I feel called to be a seminary student. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> because that's what I'm gonna be. Right. Uh, now one leads to the other, uh, Lord willing. Uh, and so there should be some desire of the office, and and uh, Paul says that's a good thing. You know, he who desires the office of preacher desires a noble task, and that's good to have that desire. But um, to know that to go to seminary is different than being a pastor. It's kind of like um, I remember. I don't know if this was the case when you were a uh, a seminarian, but uh, around the time that I went to seminary, there were all these uh, shortage of calls and. We should say there's not really a shortage of calls. It's just that there's a shortage of calls by the time call night rolls around. You know, but in, in the three weeks right. afterwards, usually everybody has a call. It's just you know, it's kind of a letdown when call night comes and you have this your family there and this big announcement of where you're going, and not necessarily everybody can get matched up by that night. But in any case, all these guys are are worried. Oh, what if I don't get a call? And it's like, well, if you don't get a call, then you shouldn't be a pastor. <laughs> I mean, right. if you don't get That's a call, right. thanks be to God, you're not doing what God doesn't want you to do. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, but uh, and the other the other part of uh, becoming a pastor is knowing things that you can teach, and you do that by uh, not only listening to awesome podcasts like Table Talk Radio. Um, oh yeah, but also by reading things called books that have like pages and. And covers and things. <laughs> and to that end, um, we're going to play a little game that called... That sounds hard. <laughs> That's a lot of letters. We haven't played this game in ages. I know. So, um, What's quick... in your pastor's library? You didn't say the name. This is the game called What's in your pastor's library? And the way that it works, tell me if I remember this right. I close my eyes, stand up, close my eyes, you give me directions, I pull a book off the shelf, and then we talk about what's in that book. That sounds like fun. And that's what we're going to do right after this commercial break on <laughs> Table Talk Radio. Uh, I'm, I get to direct Pastor Wolf from there around his study there. 
And I'm going to... Yeah, you have because a super I have long books. cord to your... To I your do. Headphones? I put on the extension. Oh, nice. The microphone extension. All right, good. Uh, I'm going to see if I can guide you to your humidor. That right after this on Table Talk Radio. Don't go away. Talk Radio for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. Table Talk Radio is a show. What's in your pastor's library is the game. Now, before right. we play, Pastor Wolfmiller, you need to paint a mental picture here of your office so I, I can correctly direct you around the study okay so i am i'm looking my desk looks out the window but i'm turned to the left and i'm looking at the wall uh which has books on it and there's a lot but it's kind of blocked by my desk now to my left of that is an entire wall of books floor to ceiling uh with one two three four rows of books and i that's a pretty good selection and then behind me you got to go up high so uh, you're looking at uh, four shelves, uh, starting at about head height and going all the way up to the ceiling. Okay, so, that'll work. That'll be good enough. Yeah. Okay, so I want you to stand up. All right. I want you to go to the left where that tall bookcase was. Yeah. And I want you to go far left, to the almost to the very corner. Um, all right. And I want you to go down, down, down by your ankle and grab a book by your ankle there. Okay. All right. Let's see what you got here. Now, this is, this is a bit of a test to see... If Pastor Wolfmuller, first of all, has has read the book. So the first question oh, is going to be, what's the title of the book? Have you read it? And then he's going to do a little reading and see if we can get some uh, oh, theological yeah. discussion. <laughs> Look at this. What this book is, is the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church USA, Part 1, <laughs> Book of Confession. <laughs> okay, and the second question is, have you read it? Uh, uh, slightly. <laughs> I've read some of it. Well, so this is, it's nice. It has the Creed, Nicene Creed, Apostles' Creed, Scott's Confession, Heidelberg Confession, Second Helvetic Confession, Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, Larger Catechism, the Theological Declaration of Barman, and the Confession of 1967. And I actually have a sticky note in this one that I opened to. And it is of of God's eternal decree. In other words, double predestination. God from eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is a violence offered to the will of the creatures, nor the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Um, here, here, This is the main one here. This is the money quote. By the decree of God, for the manifestation of his glory, some men and angels are predestined unto everlasting life, and others foreordained to everlasting death. Right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is I have read this. Now, this is we're also playing the game, what about uh, the uh, reading for seminary? So how does this book fit into your pre-seminary reading list? Mm-hmm. Um, it probably isn't on the pre-seminary reading list. I I bet it's not. <laughs> it's probably but not you one know of those there is freebies. a thing here. The, um, I th- I think that uh, th- there is a way um, that w- one of the things that we should do a lot of 
um, as pastors, and and we do this on this game, I suppose, on this show, uh, but uh, we should do more, is to go back to the original sources. So when you're talking about what the Reformed believe, it is good to actually read what they believe. And and I think this is marked because there was someone who told me that the Presbyterian Church doesn't believe in double predestination. And so I I pulled out their own documents and said, "Well, well, look at this, it's right here. Yeah, and in fact, do I agree? That's important. In fact, I just said that to our adult instruction class because um, I said, "Look, in this class, we will not all the time, but on a fairly regular basis, compare what we believe to what other churchwise believe." And it is my job as one who's teaching what others believe to know what other people believe, because if other people are talking about uh, the Lutheran belief, I want them to to correctly say what we believe. Give at least give us a fair shake. So I invited anyone in my class that if I'm talking about another church and they don't think what I'm saying is quite right, then um, challenge me and make me go get the source documents and, and prove it. Right. Okay, let's do one more round of this game. All right. All right, so stand up, and this time I want you to go uh, back behind you to the to the to where the books are up high, and I want you to go to um, about three quarters to the left. And uh, how many how many shelves are there there? There's one, two, three, four. Okay, I want you to do the second shelf from the bottom, and uh, grab grab a book right in there somewhere, and see what see what we got here. Okay, this is a bad section, by the way. This is the heretical section. No, this is my uh, this is my getting things done section. Oh, hey, look at this. This is my business section. Uh oh. <laughs> I got. I, this Visions. is a, this is Vision a book casting that, um, for dummies or something. My uh, my dad sent me this. Huh. This is called Winning the Story Wars. Why those who tell and live the best stories will rule the future. <laughs> uh, here's an inter- I, I Apparently, I read to page 60. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> Look at this. I, now, I'm opening up to my... And I, not only do I have a bookmark, I've got tons of notes oh, this in this. You're uh, you into this. Uh, well, so what it says is college video project, and what I was putting together is the goal is to use videos to keep students or people who are away from the church connected to the scriptural life of the congregation. So I'm asking the question is, how can I turn the Bible studies into a video? <laughs> Bible study briefs for college minute. students. Aren't you kind of doing that now? Well, that's what I've, yeah, that's what, so that, so this must, whenever I was reading this book, the idea for grappling with the text was starting to uh, take shape. It's like in a, going in a time machine here. I know it. I know it. That's really something. Uh, you want a line from the book? You can tell me what you say. Okay. Uh, this is from Chapter 2, Five Deadly Sins, Where the only thing I see underlined here. Every hero has a backstory, a time before he struck fear in the hearts of his foes when he bumbled around making the same mistakes as everyone else. This chapter is about those mistakes. They are the five deadly sins that doom us to defeat in the story wars. Vanity, authority, insincerity, puffery, and gimmickry. That's like a description of our show. <laughs> Wait uh, a minute. I think it's interesting. I think these are the five deadly ingredients that make Table Talk such a potent radio show. <laughs> what I think is interesting is, so we had, like, was sincerity on that list? Uh, insincerity. Insincerity, oh, okay. So I think, I mean, I would probably track with most of those so that, um, you know, if someone is insincere or... Someone just run, running a gimmick or whatever the first one was, I agreed with. 
That um, was uh, vanity. Vanity, yeah. Okay, so I see that. But authority. I mean, th- this kind of is, I think, an interesting commentary that we are equally appalled at authority as we are in- insincerity or gimmicks. <laughs> Right. So if someone comes along and says, I'm the authority on this, they think, Ugh, what right. an arrogant jerk. Right, that's right. <laughs> you know, but, I mean, there is something, to the idea of the story. So we see, what we see in culture is the, um, uh, is the fall of the authority figure, especially with the kind of um, uh, flattening of media. So it used to be everyone tuned in to Dan Rather or whoever the guys were uh, reporting the news, you know, and they had a kind of authority. Well, th- those... Um, those golden pulpits, those golden um, pedestals have been uh, shown to be false. These guys were just propped up on their kind of media popularity. Hmm. So, um, so now it's a flattening of the thing, and, you, and the, the way that people are telling the story is uh, it's not from above, but it is either from below or from alongside. And that's not so bad for us Christians to consider, because when we speak of the Lord's kindness to one another, it's not as um, uh, it's not as from people who are not also forgiven. Uh, and uh, what is this? This is the cliche, and I'm not sure it's helpful, but uh, sharing the gospel is one. Well, first of all, we shouldn't use the word share the gospel. I mean, <laughs> you can have it for free. You know, we, we speak the gospel. But we, um, but it's one, one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Mm-hmm. And that's probably not a bad picture, you know, Um we are not the bakers handing out free bread. We are the beggars who know Knowing where to find the is, bread. So, yeah. so, so the beggars don't come along and say, I am the authority, <laughs> just as much as say, hey, um, I am hungry just like you. Right. Um, yeah, interesting. That is interesting. Now, here's the, is the bigger question, since we're playing this for the answer, should I go to seminary thing? What do you think the role is, books like this, which are clearly adiaphora, uh, by the way, uh, how, what are, but what are the, what's the role of this kind of meditation in the life of a pastor um, and a seminarian? Uh, adiaphora, by the way, is means neither commanded nor forbidden. I so thought it meant were, you can do whatever you want. Adiaphora free, isn't that your new thing? Right. Adiaphora means uh, um, I can do whatever I want and you can't say anything about it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the working definition. That, that's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I... I think that um, yes, it is all the offer. We're free to to read such stu- uh, interesting <laughs> books. Um, however, I don't think that they should take place of your theological uh, library. So I like to. I like. I, I was happy to hear that you had a particular shelf for this, and it wasn't your entire library. Um, I, I think uh, the pastor has as his job preaching the gospel. Administering the sacraments, and that is what is divinely instituted according to the office, which is a position of authority. But it's the, which means authority means that it's um, that you're uh, assigned a duty by someone else. <laughs> so similar to what you said, I think with the uh, with the bread thing, um, and I think that the, that the pastor then um, entertains these other kinds of books as a in his vocation of Christian. What do you think about that? So I know yes. as a pastor, it's my job to preach the gospel and the sacraments. And as a Christian, I might have some ideas to get this gospel word out. Um, I might have find uh, some creative ways to do so in, in certain books, like wrestling with the text. 
Grappling with the text, whatever it's called. Grappling, yeah, that's right. Okay. I th- and that's and, and I think that's good. I mean, it's and I think that you know, for me, this has been helpful. Um, all, all this sort of stuff. You know, I read these books on getting things done and uh, trying to get you to read these things, and these have been very, very helpful. But they are not. They are in the realm not of um, theology, but simply of trying to sort out how to work the calendar so you don't go crazy. Fair enough. And for a module on that, you'll be seeing Pastor Wolf in there very soon. We'll be <laughs> At right the back. Seminary. <laughs> Table Talk Radio. You're laughing too, right? Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Hey, wanna... this is what you're getting me for my for Christmas? Yeah, you saw it? Yeah. You want to tell well, everybody? What if I want it now? Could I get it for Thanksgiving? You want to tell everybody what uh, I sent you? What is this? A USB port plug and play thing. Hey, this looks pretty good. Why can't you get me the fancier one instead of the five ninety nine one? There's one over here for six ninety nine. Because <laughs> sweet. Well, let's make it a pre Christmas present. I got the re I got the Luther Sermon podcast, you know, fired up again. Yeah. Remember that Luther Sermon podcast? Yeah. So I need some more I gotta have some equipment. Sweet. I like that. I listened to about two minutes of that one time. Yeah. Those Luther sermons are long. That's why I asked you, how do you have time to do that? Yeah, well, I'm reading the I'm reading the house postal now, which is the good stuff. I looked at the Luther's church postal for Advent 1, Yeah, and it was 44 pages. Now, it takes about three minutes to read a page. Okay. So think about that. That would be a two-hour and 15-minute sermon. Now, I think Luther wrote the church postal because he, he was giving notes on for pastors to write their sermon and the house apostles are ones that he actually preached so advent one 22 minutes advent two was 38 minutes you can find that by the way on www.hope-aurora.org click resources click luther sermon podcast subscribe on itunes etc fancy it's free we forgot to alert our listeners about the new fun thing they can do i think oh I think we did it last week, which was, uh, have we published that show though yet? We got it. You, if you want to be on the show, be a contestant with us on the show and play along with a game. You can do that somehow. Oh yeah. I don't know. That's right. I I do remember now you completely bombed on the number. 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652. I didn't even remember this week that you actually had to call. 7652. If you want to join in and do a little Hollywood squares with us. Uh, that'd be fun. Um, also, on our website, tabletalkradio.org, is a donate button. If you um, want, you know, usually if you want to keep hearing what you're hearing, give us money. If you want us to stop, <laughs> consider hitting that yellow button. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This is totally free, but silence is golden, literally. <laughs> All right. We're gonna... Once we get to 100 grand, we're going to stop recording. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's a good idea right there. Go that's fund right. me project. <laughs> Stop Shut table, down talk, table radio. talk radio. Yeah, that's kind of like our little thing. Not even our listeners can can stop us. Yeah, okay, so now, we have this email can. address, as you know, questions at tabletalkradio.org. And sometimes people send us questions. I mean, real questions, not just making fun of us, but they're ask, actually asking questions to us. Uh, 
on Table Talk Radio. And this is the case with uh, Robin, who sent us an email. Um, And uh, she says that she's been listening to our show for a long time. And she's kind of interested in checking out a local Lutheran church because um, the church she was going to, the the pastor had a uh, sermon series on um, us fulfilling our dreams. Oh, boy. And uh, that maybe and she says gag i know <laughs> I, I mean me feeling my dreams is like someone's gonna push me off the roof of the house <laughs> maybe he that doesn't actually mean our literal dreams maybe he means dreams like things you want to do yeah 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 because i could can you imagine that like my dreams would be like i'll tell you how i could fulfill my dream is i could go into the sacristy back behind the church and take 45 minutes putting my robes on while everyone's waiting for me to come out and preach. That's the dream that I always have. Like, I'm moving through molasses. Why can't I tie this faster? And everyone's waiting to start church, and I just can't get dressed quick enough? Anyway. Do you have that dream? No. Um, (laughs) And then she talks about uh, the director of the school where she's taking her kids at this Baptist church, um, talks about how, you know, it's uh, just life application, and, and we're asked about how many times we've been witnessing to people this week, et cetera, et cetera. So she's kind of thinking maybe um, an LCMS congregation might be the way to go, but she has a few struggles, and these are the struggles that I need you to address for Robin, Pastor Wolfmiller. All right. The first question is the idea of baptismal regeneration. How do we come to believe this? And um, she's heard many arguments for it and can't be convinced. So can... She says, my Baptist raising just won't go away. So how would you approach and help Robin out on this question of baptismal regeneration? I would play the game Bible Bead. <laughs> okay, let's play. All right. But when the, lo- when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness which we had done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Uh, What is Titus? You got it. Titus 3, by the way, 4 through 8, wait, 4 through 7, which we confess in the Catechism, and you'll notice that that language of regeneration, which means to be born again, is what Titus said. And he talks about not just the the moment of regeneration, but he talks about the washing of regeneration. Uh, now, this is the way that uh, Paul talks about baptism, in, in specifically using the term regeneration, uh, so that the, the kindness of God is expressed in the gift of baptism. Now, uh, someone might say, well, that is not the regeneration of baptism. That's the regeneration of something else. Well, then I would say, let's play Bible B round two. Okay, Bible B round two. One verse instead of three. Jesus answered to Nicodemus, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What is John? <laughs> You're right. You are really good at this when it's catechism verses. (laughs) But you'll notice that there's probably three times when the Bible talks about being born again. Titus 3, 5, John 3, 5, and then uh, James 1 and 1 Peter 1. And both of these two that we read already talk about being reborn through water. And that is the gift of baptism. Now, some might also say, well, look, John, uh, John isn't Jesus isn't talking about baptism there. This is really and the water that he's talking about is not water, but 
amniotic fluid or who knows how people take this. But if you look at John and read chapter 1 and 2 and 4, baptism is everywhere. And the occasion of Nicodemus coming to, to Jesus is John and Jesus baptizing. So that's really, really pushing it to say that um, it's not talking about baptism. Ah, okay. Um, is there around three, or is that it? That's it. <laughs> okay. Now, one of the one of the things that I have found um, problematic for some members of the Baptist Church to accept something like baptismal regeneration, or where this is really seen is something like infant baptism, um, is they say, well, baptism can't save because... We're not saved by works, and it is a false notion to think that we are not saved by works, that we are, in fact, saved by works. Right, Pastor Wolf Miller? Uh, we are—well, someone—look, uh, someone has to work in order to be saved. The question oh, 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 is— Oh, I see. Okay, okay. <laughs> whose work is it? Ah, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, so someone has to do the work in order for, for you to be saved. Now, the question is, is it your work, or is it— God's work. And of course the answer is, well, it's God's work. God Well, is... for that, I'd like to play the game Bible B. <laughs> okay. Let's play Bible B. <laughs> okay. Uh, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave him up, himself up for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Uh, what is Ephesians? Uh, you're right. You got it again? Man, I've got like 40 million points right now. Uh, 40 yeah. million. Sorry, I'm not taking to zero. Taking okay. notes here. Uh, okay, so there uh, it says that um, that Christ is the one who cleanses her, that is the church, the bride, um, with, through the water and the word. So this would be a reference to baptism. It does seem that way. And then when it comes to baby baptism, you know what I'd do? I'd play Bible B. <laughs> okay, let's play Bible B. Okay. Ready? Uh, Do you think anybody's uh, catching on that whenever we want to read the Bible, we just play Bible? <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I want more points. Uh, let's see. Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Uh, I would say this is from Acts. You are right. So, so I think that that I mean, in some ways, and follow follow kind of what I'm saying here. That that when the Baptist says, "Hey, you can't say you're saved by baptism because works can't save you," we should almost commend them to say, "Yes, you're right. That works can't save you, but baptism is not man's work." <laughs> so, so yes, we agree that works don't save, but if baptism is the work of God, we do believe that the work of God saves. And so when you when you see a baby being baptized, you're seeing someone who can do nothing being saved. <laughs> and if we think and if we believe, as the Baptists themselves confess, that you can do nothing to be saved, then someone who can do nothing, like an infant, shouldn't be disqualified from from uh from salvation, from faith in Christ. Um, that God acts to people who can't do things like infants to bestow the gift of baptism. Right? Got it. Okay. Yep. Okay, so uh, we need to actually take a commercial break, and then we'll continue with Robin's email discussing kind of these hang-ups in uh, considering the Lutheran Church over 
her current Baptist church or similar church. I'm not really sure if she goes to the church. But anyway, um, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, and we would appreciate your phone calls. 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Or if you have a question for us to try and answer, you can email it to questions at tabletalkradio.org. More Table Talk Radio is coming up right after this break. Don't go away. Ever. Table Talk Radio. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are answering questions on our email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. And Robin is asking the question first about baptismal regeneration, and then Pastor Roland, she asked a question about the ordering of the Ten Commandments. And so she bought a Lutheran study Bible, and she's been reading the small catechism to her three-year-old. Robin, this is a great thing to do. But she also noticed there is no mention of the prohibition against uh, graven images. And um, she says that is clearly stated in the Bible. So how do you respond to that? <laughs> I'm going to play to that. I'm going to play Bible B. Okay. Now, this is going to be a tricky one. I'm going to st- I'm going to get you on this one. Okay. Ready? Ready. Oh, uh, wait, wait. I know I'm going to predict what you're going to do. All right. You're going to read from the commandments. You're going to you want to play predictable pastor? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you're going to read from the 10 commandments. And I'm gonna, I'm not going to know if it's uh Exodus or Deuteronomy or Deuteronomy. That's true. But but this is also true is that you could know. So I'm going to read from the 10 commandments <laughs> in such a way okay. that you could know. Ready. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, his male servant, his female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything else that is your neighbor's. Okay, I think that the one of the differences between the Exodus reading and the Numbers reading is that the they change. You had it right before Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy, thank you. Yeah. Uh, the Deuteronomy uh, reading is that it, it flip-flops 9 and 10. And um, I think, that, I'm not for sure on that, but I think that's true. And but the thing that makes me hesitate because you read as we would understand coveting the wife and then oh the, you did say wife first yes wife was first oh so I'm going to say this is from Deuteronomy you are right Woo! you are right isn't this interesting eighty million points <laughs> that's right so Deuter so you have two times where the Ten Commandments are mentioned first in Exodus and then in Deuteronomy in Exodus it says you shall not cover your neighbor's uh, house and then you shall not cover your neighbor's wife and then so forth. In Deuteronomy, those first two, those are are flipped, and so wife, and then home, etc. Now, the the Lutherans follow the order of Exodus, and they talk about the 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 thing, do you, coveting the things of your neighbor with and then without legs, basically, and it has to do with <laughs> enticement. The Catholic Church follows the ordering in Deuteronomy from Augustine, and so uh, the ninth commandment, you shall not cover your neighbor's wife, is an extension of the sixth commandment, and then 
that you shall not cover your neighbor's other things. That's an extension of the seventh commandment. That's how they understand the distinction there. It's really very, very interesting. There's probably about five different ways to number the uh, Ten Commandments. You have the Jewish, traditional Jewish way. You have the Lutheran way, the Catholic way. You have the typical Reformed way. And I think there's an, uh, one other way as well. Now, the interesting thing is if you were to naturally divide up the Ten Commandments, it would be probably more natural to have 11 commandments or nine commandments. But there's a couple of verses which talk about the ten words. And um, and that is uh, uh, a pretty a pretty important uh, to how we get the ten. In fact, it's the only reason why we have ten is because God Himself calls the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments. So yeah. So then we got to figure out how to divide it into ten. So if God had never talked about the Decalogue or the Ten Commandments, we would be fine saying, um, "All right, we need to study the Eleven Commandments." Everybody gather right. around. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But we can't. We got to figure out how to do it to ten, and everyone's sorted out in a different way. And probably there's no divinely instituted way to number the commandments. So we, as long as the content is there, you're fine. Now the accusation gets a little bit deeper because people will always accuse the Catholics and the Lutherans of being idolaters because they took out the where they combined the "you shall not uh, uh, make any graven images" with the first commandment, "you shall have no other gods." And this is a, the reason why the Lutherans and Catholics did that is because the the basically the summary of the of the Ten Commandments comes between the prohibition for graven images and that you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. It's a, it's in, it's embedded in the structure. And anyone who accuses us, we should say, well, look, the Jewish people also don't have a commandment. You shall not make graven images. Mm-hmm. They don't they, they don't separate that from the first commandment either. They put them together all as the second commandment. And they have as the first commandment. You, uh, I am the Lord, your God, which is in fact no commandment at all. Interesting. Indeed. Now, is it true? I've I've always thought this, and I and I think that it's true that that we see the reformed um, numbering of the commandments to intentionally break out the one on graven images because they had this big problem with having um, like statues and even pictures of Jesus in a lot of reformed churches. So to emphasize the point, we're going to start numbering the commandments differently. Um, so this was kind of a Calvinist thing. Well, yeah, they had there was the iconoclastic controversy in the Reformation where they went around smashing stained glass windows and crosses and stuff. Um, and but it's only kind of half iconoclastic. Um, there's right. there are some full iconoclasts around. They don't even want picture books of Jesus, uh, but mostly they uh, just crucifixes. <laughs> right, yeah, right. you don't want pictures of Jesus that look gross to you. That's the kind of iconoclastic stuff that we have nowadays. Okay. It's kind of it's kind of a silly iconoclasm. The 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 original was um don't have any pictures whatsoever because um well because of this commandment of of depicting God, right? Mm-hmm. So so that yes, I mean, I guess you know in one of the previous shows we have it in one of our our bump-ins, you know, you make the point that uh you know, if 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 you were to Draw a picture of God in the Old Testament and say, "All right, here's a here's a red crayon and a piece of paper. Draw a picture of God. No matter what you would draw, you would be wrong <laughs> because right. God cannot be depicted. He's indepictable. But when Jesus uh, takes on the second person of the Trinity, God, God the Son, uh, unites himself with human flesh and blood, he has now made himself depictable. So to draw a picture of Jesus is to draw a picture of God. Right. Okay." All right, so um, now there's one more question that Robin has, and this is a matter of how one comes to faith. Um, and I just want to I just want to read the read her email. It says, "My mother and I had a conversation about one coming to faith, and she said that the most important thing is that you have a salvation experience." I was wondering what you would say to that. Um, don't we all have a salvation experience in a sense? How would you respond? 
Uh, I would say, well, uh, let me talk to my friend, Pastor Gaglan, because he's just been talking about this with his Bible study, as he mentioned off the air. What do you think? <laughs> oh, I see. You didn't prepare any Bible B games for that. Okay. I, I can do it now if you want to. I just thought you wanted to talk about it. <laughs> what did it say? Name that theologian, but you didn't bring your book with you, did you? <laughs> That's true. Did you? Well, okay, so we are reading uh, Walther's <laughs> Law and Gospel in a pastor's book club at my church. And uh, he brings up this whole conversation about... Um, about experiences, because in this, I think what thesis nine, I think it is, where he talks about um, you're not rightly dividing law and gospel when you turn a troubled person not to word and sacrament, but rather to their own strivings and prayers and strugglings with God. So uh, here you have someone who's troubled, and what they need is gospel, and the place where God delivers the gospel. Uh, is in particularly in his means of grace in baptism and the Lord's Supper. So if I'm if I have a troubled conscience, I can go straight to um, absolution or the Lord's Supper, and I know, aha, my sins are forgiven because Christ has attached the promise of the forgiveness of sins to these elements. So therefore, I can rest assured I am forgiven. Now, what Walter's critiquing then is someone who would say, "All right, keep doing your prayers." Uh, keep struggling with God until you feel forgiven or feel that you are right with God. And so it's this kind of experience. It draws on this experience. And um, Walter talks about how, um, kind of as Robin says, that yes, there's always going to be an experience, but the difference is, is that um, one who um, knows a troubled a troubled conscience is that in itself is an experience, right? So the, if I stole someone's um uh what car and i have a sense of guilt over this it's because i know what the lord says about stealing and if furthermore i can be comforted that i am forgiven um then that may be an experience but it's an experience that's grounded and based upon the word of god but it's not that the spirit comes to me separated from that word of god does that make sense Yes. So um so what what Walther's critiquing is someone who is pointing to the experience itself as the assurance rather than um uh, um let's see hear, hearing the the gospel and that in of itself being an experience. I mean everything's an experience. We're having a table talk radio experience right now, right? <laughs> the table talk radio experience. <laughs> Right, but, brought to you by Table Talk. We should change the name of our show to that. <laughs> so, I mean, so we squared. talked about infant baptism earlier, Wait. and and a child, a child who is baptized has had an, a salvation experience, but it, it isn't the experience that bestows the comfort. It's the Word of God and His promises that delivers the comfort. Yeah, that's anything? right. I got so let's play a game of Bible B. Okay, one minute here. If our hearts condemn us. <laughs> God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Yeah, that text is actually used by Walther in this thesis. Did you know that, or did, or did this? Nope. Impressive. You you and Walther are on the same page, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Oh, where is that, though? <laughs> uh, it's Walther? That's, that's yeah, <laughs> the first Walther. No, um, I'm going to say Colossians. That's close. First John, oh, chapter that's three, right. verse twenty. That's right. First John. Okay. I By should... this we know uh, that we are of the truth, and we shall assure our hearts before Him 
But if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. So that so that we trust the Lord even even when we feel the opposite. When we don't feel forgiven, uh, we we say, well, that doesn't matter. Jesus says I'm forgiven, and that does it for me. That's enough. Indeed. So this experience and this feeling is fleeting, but the word of God endures forever. That's right. Okay, Robin, that, by the way, was helps. worth four million points. Oh, that's it. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like all the confidence you get in your heart. Wait a minute. I said that wrong. Where the points are like the confidence that comes from trusting Thanks for your listening to this edition of, of Table Word. Talk Radio. Points Table Talk fail. Radio is not for everyone. <laughs> Please consult your pastor before listening take. to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include we don't do second vomiting, takes. heartburn, and loss of hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic images, Raw. Psychosis, coma, and Raw table talk radio experience. Internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Kabbalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. More information, visit tabletalkradio.org.